We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. Welcome to Yule Crime, where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. I'm your host, Lindsay Valenti, and with me is my sister and co-host, Maddie Stengel. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm okay. Yeah. It's a new year. New year, new you, right? Yep. New something. Allegedly. Supposedly. Mm -hmm. Potentially. (laughs) That's what they say. We'll see. That's what they say. The year of me. The year of Lindsay. That's it. That's all it is. It's just the year of Lindsay. No one else. No. 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 Me. Just me. me. (laughs) It's finally my time. It's my year. (laughs) (laughs) Move, bitch. Get out of the way. Okay. I have one thing from the correction cubby. Uh Uh-oh. Okay. And I would like to thank Twitter user C3PO for letting us know that I mispronounced Samuel's name in our last episode, the Great Fire of London episode. Okay. I kept saying it as Pepis, and it's actually pronounced Peeps. Oh, that's cute. Peeps. Peeps. Samuel Peeps. He's a pervert. Just kidding. I don't know. (laughs) So thank you for telling me. And they said it in like the nicest way possible. And I'm sorry for anybody else that like knew and they were like screaming into the void. Yeah. Every time I mispronounced it. I've I've done that before with some of my favorite podcasts. Whenever they mispronounce something like any any story, honestly, in Minnesota or Wisconsin. Yeah. Just because the pronunciation is not as French as you think it is. <laughs> yeah. Merci beaucoup. No. 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 In- no. Incorrect. You're wrong. <laughs> You're wrong. I'm right. I say good day. It's the year of Lindsay. <laughs> I say good day. And outside of the cubby, shout out to our patrons. Hey. Jenna, Jennifer, Tom, and Carol. Hello. And thank you. Your support is awesome and we appreciate you very much so more than everybody else just kidding but we do appreciate you we have favorites okay and they're the ones with money sorry Mm -hmm. but like you could be a favorite without money just you know do better do better (laughs) that's so do better this is the year of Lindsay. be better be better Be better. (laughs) We're just coming in hot. This is no longer a friendly. This is an aggressive podcast. (laughs) Episode 130. They get aggressive. Right? It's just an hour of us being like, why aren't you on our Patreon? Huh? Why not? The year of passive aggressiveness. (laughs) Tax season's coming up. You get a refund? Where's that refund going? Year of Lindsay. (laughs) Lindsay needs to fuel her Ritz cracker and Baba's dilly dill pickle hummus habit. Yep. No water. No beverage. 
We're going dry, people. <laughs> We're going dry. <laughs> dry January is just eating sal- as many saltines as you possibly can before an hour-long presentation. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> so this week, I thought we would start off 2023 mm-hmm. with a listener request. Ooh, okay. So today, I am going to be telling you about Baba Anoinka, the Banat Witch, or the Witch of Vladomiroflats. Nice. I, I think it's pronounced peeps. <laughs> <laughs> Shut your face. <laughs> I'm excited. Okay, a witch. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. If you want a playlist of all our episodes on YouTube, Click the link in our show notes or in our link tree and subscribe today for not only a list of our full catalog, but a separate list as well, just of our Can You Crack the Cramp Word segments. Information was pulled from the following sources, a 2022 Oddity Central article, 2022 Short History article by Peter Prescar, 2021 Vintage News Daily article, 2020 Index International article, 1929 The Angola Record article, 1929 St. Louis Globe Democrat article, People Pill, Slavarum article by Ivan R., and Weird History Facts. Nice. I feel like Wikipedia was supposed to be in there, but then I remembered that I didn't actually use it. So Take that, Wikipedia. Oh, man. I don't need you no more. Just kidding. Just for this week. Just for this week, I don't need you. Please still donate to them. (laughs) Please still donate. It's okay if you take the Patreon money you would have given to us and give it to Wikipedia. That's fine. You're still technically helping. Because you're helping me with my research. <laughs> Perfect. And links to all of these articles will be included in the show notes. So as I said, today's topic was a listener suggestion, and it was suggested to me by my friend Vuk over at the Twisted Owls podcast. Hi, and thank you. Yeah. And I'll be appearing in one of his episodes later this month, where he and I had a discussion about the case of Zana, the supposed Yeti from Abkhazia. Oh, awesome. More people get to listen to that. It was really depressing, but... Yeah. No, it's all bad, but it's interesting. (laughs) But it was a good discussion, and I think it needed to be had. So I thought it was great. I got to listen to it ahead of time. Loved it. Not just because I'm on it. It is the year of Lindsay. It is the year of Lindsay. And I will share the episode on our socials when it goes live. So if you'd like to listen to it, you can give it a listen. Yeah. On that note, Anna de Pistonia, ni Drakshin, was born in 1838 in Romania. Not a whole lot has survived about her early life, which isn't uncommon, especially given like the area and stuff. And the fact that she's a woman. But her father was said to have been a rich cattleman. And when she was 11, the family moved to Vladomiroflats in the Vojevodina province of Yugoslavia, or modern-day Serbia, in 1849. Okay. I think that's going to be the most translation-heavy paragraph in this, hopefully. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) That whole thing's a cubby later. (laughs) Yeah, someone's going to be like, you just shat the bed right out the gate. (laughs) It's the year of Lindsay. So. <laughs> oh, no. The area in which they moved was the Bannett Military Frontier Province of the Austrian Empire, which was under the Habsburg monarchy at the time. 
Okay. Our favorite inbreds. <laughs> and while there, she attended a private school along with children from other rich families in Panchovo and returned to live with her father on his large estate following her education. Okay. So she was kind of sent away to boarding school. Yep. It was a fancy boarding school. When she learned to read, she could go back and hang out with dad. <laughs> yep. Now that I am all learned, yep. here I am once again. <laughs> It's noted that while she attended boarding school, she was observed several times sleepwalking, which in the 19th century was considered a characteristic of someone who could practice sorcery. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, you guys, that's... Foreshadowing. It's just like <laughs> neurological disorders. <laughs> Neuro what now? You're a witch! <laughs> At the age of 20, Anna was said to have become a bit of a misanthropist, or a person who dislikes humankind, <laughs> following a failed relationship with a young Austrian military officer. Girl, same. We've all been We've there. We've all been there. <laughs> 20s, am I right? After being seduced by him, he not only gave her syphilis, mm. but then he left her. That's not great. Yeah, he hit it and quit it in a really not cool way. Yeah, in a way that like could cause death back then. Way that lingers. Yeah. That could actually lead to neurological disorders. Oh no. That's true. Full circle. Oh no. Not good. It's escalating. Okay. Understandably brokenhearted following this, mm -hmm. she went into seclusion and developed an interest in chemistry and medicine. Uh oh. She also spent her time in seclusion learning how to speak five languages. As one does. I mean talk, hello. talk about a glow up after breaking up. Yeah. Years later, she would open herself up to the possibility of love Aww. and married a landowner named the Pistonia, who was significantly older than her. Although I'm not sure by how much. Yeah. I believe from my research that her father arranged the match. So it could be someone similar to his age? Similar or maybe just a little bit younger, mm -hmm. like maybe a partner of sorts. I feel like that was pretty common, wasn't it? For like more well-to-do women going to older successful men mm -hmm. especially yeah. to like as like a business transaction more than anything else mm -hmm. it's kind of a like hey let's merge our fortunes i'll give you my young daughter if you you know just give me money <laughs> yeah if you just give me money he'll be like sounds great he's like you get a ship thanks thanks even trade perfect no takesies backsies right the pair had 11 children together over their 20-year marriage. Damn. But only one of them survived to adulthood. Stop. That is yes. devastating. Mm -hmm. Oh, this poor and woman. She had 11. Yeah. Was it, do you know if it was miscarriages or was it like full term? I couldn't find out anything. Yeah. I just know she had 11 children and only one of them survived to adulthood and became a merchant. That's horrific. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of it was a mix of not being able to carry to term or, you, you know, know the, infant, infant death, like from illness, you know, well, which was I, extremely common. I wonder too, if this, how, if the syphilis might've had something yeah, to do with if it. Yeah, if it was a factor, cause that could, you know, it's hard for anybody to survive that untreated, let alone a baby. Yeah. Cause who knows if she had any, if she got any treatment for it. Mm -hmm. Oh. Either way, extremely heartbreaking. Yeah, this poor woman. 
Following her husband's death, Anna continued her interest in chemistry. She was so involved in this interest that she ended up adding a laboratory to a wing of her home that she had shared with her late husband. She's going to bring him back to life. The original (laughs) Frankenstein. Using the power of potions. And it wasn't long before she earned a reputation amongst the people in town as a healer and herbalist, as well as someone who can make anyone, quote unquote, disappear for the right price. Yeah. You know, there's a very big theme of being a witch if you try to help others in the form of a healer or an herbalist because if if you ever got it wrong which i mean we still get it wrong today where you go in something freak happens and then you die instead of calling them a witch we just sue them now but Mm -hmm. you know yeah just knowing that she was a healer i can see why she progressed into a witch status yep gross she soon earned the moniker of Baba Anoinka, or the Grandmother Annie, as it would be translated to. Cute. Likely due to how she dressed, she wore an all-black dress with a black headscarf, which was typical of rural widows of the time. Yeah, that makes sense. She became a favorite of farmers' wives, who often sought her out whenever they experienced health problems. As a result of this, Anna was able to live quite comfortably, even as a widow. Nice. Her quote-unquote magic water could be purchased for 2,000 to up to 10,000 Yugoslav dinars, or between 1,000 to 5,000 dollars today, U.S. dollars. Her water. Her magic water. And is this like a gallon of water? Is this... I don't know how much water... Is it just like a mason jar with like good luck on it? Like <laughs> I'm assuming it was like a smaller like yeah. ocean bottle type size thing of water. That's insane. Yeah. Soldiers would seek out her services for tonics that would make them just ill enough to be able to escape having to do military service. I'm surprised she tolerated that knowing that she was jilted by a military man. She probably enjoyed it. She's like, oh, you want to shit yourself? All right. <laughs> yeah. Here's some magic that, water, that's son. That's true. <laughs> like, oh, I get to make you suffer for a brief period of time? Sure. Give me your money yeah. and I will gladly do so. Yeah. Getting paid to make people sick. That's some for being somebody who doesn't like other human beings. That's the perfect mm-hmm. job. There you go. Yep. Dream job. Congratulations. Yep. She made it. Good job, Anna. She did it. She also sold mixtures that she coined as quote-unquote love potions and, you know, her magic water. The typical thing. Although the clientele for that particular tonic were mainly women, she did sell it to the occasional man as well. Yeah. The love potion would typically be given to an abusive husband who would mysteriously die after around eight days. That's a weird way of expressing love in the form of a potion. (laughs) We'll get into it. Okay. As we have covered many times in the past, it might not surprise you to learn that the key ingredient of her love potion was mercury, and her magic water was arsenic, which she would add in small quantities along with plant toxins that were difficult for even the most trained medical examiner to detect. Mercury, what a horrific 
way to die. Mercury poisoning? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. That is a that is some love potion. Damn. Mm-hmm. Other main ingredients that would or could be used in other tonics to solve a host of other problems included mousetrap. I don't know what that is. And devil's grass. Hey, we know about devil grass. We know about devil's grass. Yeah, we do. You can go onto the plains and grab that shit. Yeah. Didn't know they had it in Europe. <laughs> Apparently they do. Maybe they brought it over. I don't go. know. There you go. <laughs> just just bringing a bunch of like <laughs> seeds. <laughs> just going across the plains. <laughs> like, like Johnny Appleseed with the devil's grass. <laughs> oh, that's a callback to the Bloody Benders episode yeah. in case you... Have no idea what the hell we're talking about. Yeah, go listen to it, you hooligans. Yeah, it'll be funnier. <laughs> In addition to her magic water and love potions, she also sold another tonic known as bitter water. So it's just arsenic? Arsenic and soda? Like, <laughs> I don't know. She would also treat people for insanity, dementia, and other ailments. <laughs> Where do I sign up? <laughs> right? So it's like, it's not, not all of the stuff that she sold had poisonous materials in it like some of it actually was like health tonics for like the farmers to help them with like pain or whatever but even then but they microdosed toxic material that they didn't know was toxic material yep so she was just really good at microdosing to the point Mm -hmm. where it was just enough to where your body was like hey ooh, let's fix this and then magically Mm -hmm. we'd get better Prior to selling any of her potions to women experiencing marriage troubles, she would ask her client the question, quote, how heavy is that problem, end quote. Like the weight of the man? This was code for how large their husband was as far as body mass is concerned. Mm -hmm. Knowing this allowed her to more accurately calculate the doses she would need to ensure they didn't drop dead the moment they were given some of the tonic. Yep. Yeah, she definitely did it right. Mm-hmm. According to chemistry professor Simon Yarmati, who wrote a book about Anna, he states, quote, Many came to her for help, even generals and ministers who believed in her power and trusted that she could show them the way. Once she would notice that a customer had money, she would pretend that she was not able to practice sorcery that day. She would tell them to come back another day, knowing they wouldn't leave because it was not easy to travel from one town to another at the time. Then, when they would try to convince her to fit them in her schedule for the day, she would offer them to stay overnight. Mm -hmm. She had accommodation and food for such guests, which had to be paid separately, end quote. Oh, man. This sounds a lot like those rest stops with Mm -hmm. the the springboard bed (laughs) Mm -hmm. and the drop hatch. Yeah, Lavinia Fisher. Yeah. The highwayman thing, yeah. Anna didn't think she was doing anything bad and genuinely believed that she was helping those in need, especially abused women. Yeah. She claimed to know more about medicine than most doctors. And she might have, just with her chemistry background. She was definitely a a little more of a vigilante than a healer. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, that's fair. Typically, we wouldn't go past the 1900s, but in order to finish her story, we're going to keep going. Okay. Anna's first trial took place in Bella Cirkva in June 1914 on charges that she provided poisons that were used to kill a rich widower named Gaia Pronking. 
She was later acquitted. Nice. In the 1920s, Anna hired Yubina Milenkov to act as her sales agent. Yubina was paid to locate potential clients and bring them to Anna's home. According to Yarmati, Yubina, quote, she listened, especially in the evening when the women went to the well. Then they recounted their secrets from the bedrooms and from the family and so on. And not only their secrets, but how they point to something going on in some other houses. And then she listened to it and just kind of gave them a sign. Why don't you go to Grandma Anoinka's, end quote. How she wasn't caught sooner is a surprise, considering the bulk of the men who fell victim to her tonics were young and healthy. Interesting. They weren't uh, elderly by any stretch of the well, imagination. Well, do you think it might have been just part like harder with the rural setting? Because like, life in general That's true. could have been harder with military men and like the climate itself, too, depending on where it is, if they had mm-hmm. any sort of harsh seasons. Yep. Because I don't know, I don't know geography. I'm just going to put yeah. that out there. I don't know if this is close to any mountain ranges I was just gonna say, or anything. I know that country should, is. I think Serbia does have mountains. Yeah. I'm, I'm showing my ignorance. Uh, yes, there are mountains in Serbia. Yeah. So she, I mean, you could just say they weren't as surprised just because of how harsh living was in general during that time period. and. Potentially in that region. Mm-hmm. You're right. It's entirely possible that the weather could be a factor. It could have been easily explained away because I'm sure people were sick constantly from like working hard in harsh conditions. Like we get colds just being outside, like going from cold to hot with our frail, mm-hmm. <laughs> our frail bodies. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't imagine like how sick these people were all the time. Well, and if you're working in a rural farming community, I mean, you can get injured any number of ways using the tools of the trade. Yeah. So, And a cut could kill you if you don't treat it. Yep. Still today. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Anna's downfall was brought about thanks to a woman named Stana Momorov, one of her regular clients who frequently purchased herbal remedies. Rude. Yeah, right? You could bite the hand that medicates. <laughs> I love being sick. Fuck you. <laughs> Stana had purchased some magic water to kill her husband, Lazar Ludowski, in January of 1924 for 2,300 dinars. I didn't yeah. figure out what the translation was. He died eight days later. That's what she wanted, man. That's what she wanted. After Stana had remarried a wealthy man and one of his uncles died in a similar fashion to her first husband. Stana was arrested. During questioning, she implicated Anna in the two killings. Rude. A few years later, in December of 1926, Anna sold a potion to Sima Momirov and his wife, Sofia, to kill Sima's 70-year-old father, Nikola Momirov. According to them, Nikola was not only an alcoholic, but was abusive towards his children and grandchildren. Okay. Sophia had learned about Anna from a friend named Danica Stoyich, and after contacting her, she was able to purchase some magic water for 5,000 dinars. Again, I don't know what the... I bet it was because he was big. Or maybe yeah. <laughs> maybe she didn't get the like friendly discount. You haven't purchased anything else. Because you're a friend of a friend. There's... You don't get the... 
get the stranger danger price instead of the frequent flyer. Sophia then tricked 16-year-old Olga Sturza, one of Nikola's granddaughters, into giving the potion to her grandfather, who fell ill and passed away after 15 days. Oh, that's a long time to die. Mm-hmm. Dang. 18 months later, Anna was arrested on May 15, 1928, along with six others, Stana, Sofia, and Sima Momirov, Yubina Milenkov, Danica Stoyic, and Olga Sturza. Each of the women were involved in one way or another in the two killings of Nikola Momirov and Lazar Ludowski. Anna was 90 at the time of her arrest. Oh my god, just let her live. <laughs> <laughs> That's so rude. In the August 8th, 1929 edition of the Angola Record, it included an article titled, quote, Aged Love Poisoner May Have Killed 60, end quote, that reads as follows. Claims love potions were given as tonics. That was like the subhead. Mm-hmm. Anna Pistova, aged 92 or 93, is to go on trial shortly in Panchovo, Yugoslavia, on the charge of furnishing poison to wives who wished to get rid of their husbands. Six wives who tried her love potions on their husbands and became widows are to be tried with Anna, or after her case is settled. Some say she has led to the deaths of 60 husbands and many wives, for men also patronized her. While Anna is called the Witch of Vladomirovlats, a place not far from Belgrade, and is an exceedingly aged person, It appears that she is by no means a peasant crone. Her story, as now told, is one for a novelist, but it is difficult to say how much truth it contains. The United States is not the only country in which a woman on trial for murder is provided with a romantic past. Now this is kind of a, this is a long quote. Mm -hmm. The story is that Anna was the daughter of a rich cattleman of Romania who moved to Vladomirovlats 80 years ago, and that she received an excellent education. The villain, goes the story, entered her life when she was 21. As is always the case with more than ordinarily heartless female killers, she had to be more than ordinarily beautiful. The villain was a young officer who finally cast Anna aside and left her a pessimist and misanthropist. Anna sought seclusion after the affair of the heart, and with her knowledge of five languages, gave herself up to medical and chemical studies. She came out of her grief sufficiently to marry a landowner named Pistova, by whom she had 11 children. Only one survives, a prosperous merchant. Her husband's death sent Anna back to the test tubes and beakers. She built a laboratory onto her house and evolved from herbs many real or supposed remedies for diseases, but she is charged with having plenty of arsenic around. That was a really weirdly worded sentence. That is really weird. She dispensed many of her remedies to wives who were not inconsolably distressed when their husbands tried the remedies and left the wives with property and prospects of other husbands. As has been said, it is charged that not a few husbands who bought remedies of Anna were careless about leaving them around where their wives could sample them with disastrous consequences for the samplers. Oh, no. That is the defense. Anna's counsel assert that she was not responsible if wives or husbands took overdoses of her medicines. Some of the fatal medicines are said to have contained vegetable poisons, which are exceedingly difficult to detect, but some of them appear to have contained arsenic. 
arsenic is used as a tonic, and some people become arsenic addicts. This is really interesting and part of why I wanted to include it. Yeah. The husband of Mrs. Florence Maybrick was an arsenic addict, and we covered her in the past. Which fact made Mrs. Maybrick's conviction of poisoning him to death with arsenic extremely doubtful as to the charge having been proved? Anna's defense is somewhat along the same lines. She says that the death-dealing medicines containing arsenic, which she dispensed, were first-rate tonics for the purchasers if used properly. Mm-hmm. Anna herself is said to be a walking advertisement for her own tonics if she takes them. She is described as looking not more than 55 years of age instead of 92 or 93, has her hair curled daily, and uses cosmetics, end quote. Yeah, because you're not, it's actually illegal to use makeup after the age of 62. So it's, it's, a, it's a crime in most countries. Yep. So, like, give up. <laughs> you got to just go straight to horse face. Yep. When the senior citizen discount goes into effect, that's when the horse face goes into yeah, effect. No more, you- no more. At the trial, which began in June 1929 at the district court in Panchovo, The hearings took place on June 18th and 19th. Prior to the trial, the two victims were exhumed and autopsies were performed at the University of Belgrade. The prosecutor in the case wanted the death penalty for all of those accused, with the exception of Sturza, who was a minor when the the murders took place. In her case, he simply sought a prison sentence. Oh, yeah, much better for her. Yeah, so he's like, oh, you're 16... Just stay in prison forever. Yeah, just be in prison until you die instead of murdering you right away. Just spend the rest of your days in prison. It's fine. It's it's better that way. It's fine. It's fine. You're welcome. I'm doing this for you. Sophia and Sima Momirov claimed that they were oblivious to the poisonous effects of Anna's magic water and instead believed that Anna had supernatural powers that allowed her to kill people. She turns into a werewolf. (laughs) Stana Momirov claimed that she sought the magic water as a means to cure her husband's alcoholism. Yeah, that'll cure it. It'll literally kill it. And everything else. And everything else in his body. Anna's response was to deny ever selling them potions or remedies of any kind, claiming that the whole trial was an elaborate way for Yubina Milenkov, to shift the blame to her for her own crimes. So basically that her assistant is trying to blame it all on her. Well, yeah. I mean, her assistant ratted her out and she was like, listen, I didn't, like, these people came to me. Mm Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yep. I gave them a product. I didn't tell them to kill with it. On July 1st, the results of the autopsies were provided, as well as the results of chemical testing that had been conducted on different samples that were taken from Anna's home. Dr. Branko Vurea testified that traces of arsenic were found in the bodies of both of the victims. Yeah. To the surprise of no one. Right. The verdict was delivered on July 6th, 1929. Anna was found guilty and sentenced to 15 years in prison for her role in the two murders. Stupid. Stana and Sofia Momirov were sentenced to life in prison as the main perpetrators. Damn. The ones who, ad- who administered the poison. Yeah. Sima Momirov was sentenced to 15 years, Yubina Milenkov was sentenced to 8 years, and both Olga Sturza and Danica Stoyich were acquitted. 
Okay. Following the sentencing, both the prosecutor and defendants appealed the verdict, and a second trial was held at the appellate court in Novi Sad on November 29th and 30th, 1929. The prosecutor, again, wanted all of the defendants to face capital punishment. Of course. They must all be murdered. During cross-examination, Sima and Sofia Momirov did admit that they knew the magic water was poisonous when they purchased it. But other than that, all of the defendants stood by their initial statements that they had made during their first trial in June. That's good. Consistency is key. A final verdict was passed on November 30th, 1929, during which Anna was resentenced to 15 years in prison with hard labor added to her sentence. Stop. She's 92 or 93. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh. One of the two. Stana and Sofia Momirov were resentenced to life in prison. Sima Momirov's sentence was increased from 15 years to life. Oh my gosh. Yubina Milenkov's sentence was increased from 8 years to 10 years. And once again, Sturza and Stoyich were acquitted. That's good, at least. In the December 1st, 1929 edition of the St. Louis Globe Democrat, they included an Associated Press blurb that misgendered Anna with the headline, quote, Man, 93, sentenced to 15 (laughs) years and hard labor, end quote. But it reads as follows. Baba Anonka, 93, must serve a sentence of 15 years imprisonment with hard labor, the Court of Appeals today confirmed the sentence of a lower court. He had been convicted of giving poison to a dozen relatives and friends, end quote. Okay. You would think that, like, Baba, Baba would have been an indicator. Yeah. Guess they didn't know five languages. Yeah, someone screwed up. Losers. Way to go, AP. After serving eight years, Anna was released as an act of compassion. She died of dementia in her late father's home in Vladomirovlats two years later, on September 1st, 1938, at the age of 100. That's a horrible way to die. Although she was only convicted of two murders, Anna's potions are believed to have killed anywhere from 50 to 150 people, making her one of the oldest serial killers on record in the former Yugoslavia. Nice. I wonder if she ever kept a ledger. I don't know. If there's any proof anywhere. I guess her house still exists. Mm-hmm. I was able to find pictures of it nice. and the inside. Were there any like scratches of fives <laughs> <laughs> anywhere? No, but there were lots of lots of little potion bottles all over the place. Of so. course. That was just yeah. her aesthetic, okay? God. But that's Baba Anoinka. Nice. If you're interested in ad-free content, consider supporting us with a one-time donation either over on Buy Me a Coffee or our Venmo page, both of which are in our link tree and in the show notes. If you'd like early ad-free content, not to mention some bonus material, become a member of our Patreon today for as low as a dollar a month. Hello, Twisted Humans. Do you find yourself wanting to know more about the latest murder, conspiracy, cult, or haunting? Then this is the podcast for you. In 1952, there was a record high of UFOs reported. 1,500 sightings. There has been evidence of human sacrifice, devil worship, and it is haunted by more spirits than can be counted. 
A family of two adults and two kids reportedly saw a giant flying thing with glowing red eyes. And meanwhile, the family's nanny that helped Veronica to care for her and Lucian's children was found bludgeoned to death in the basement of their family home. I'm Alicia. And I'm Sierra. And this is Twisted Twisted and Uncorked. This week's podcast plug is the Twisted and Uncorked podcast by our friends Alicia and Sierra. The pair are best friends from Nashville, Tennessee and Vancouver, Canada that share stories that are either unsolved, conspiracies, disappearances or hauntings every Tuesday with wine or sangria recommendations included. Nice. If you like to hear stories that are a little twisted, give them a listen and we will include a link to their show in the show notes. Awesome. What is something good you'd like to share? Something good I'd like to share this week. Well, one, sorry that I was not on the episode last week. There was a reason for that, and hopefully I will have good news for you next week from what transpired that day. (laughs) Very ominous. But we are in the process of changing our apartments and so my fiance and I went apartment hunting like the past few days which is really stressful but also like kind of fun to get an idea of where you want to live and kind of envisioning how you want things to change or be the same where to put stuff and it was just really varied in the quality Mm -hmm. of the property and of the people the leasing agents. We had a leasing agent show us around that was probably still drunk from the night before where he had used the hot tub with residents. And he doesn't live on the property, but he decided to go to the bar next door with residents after work and then hang out in the hot tub. And so we were like, we're not considering this place because we don't want to know you. (laughs) Yeah. You're just a walking red flag. Yeah. He cried during our showing. Yeah. Because his 13-year-old dog had died recently. I know more about that man in the hour and 15 minutes of us doing that tour that should have been 30 Mm -hmm. than I know of my own fiance. I know all of that man's secrets. (laughs) Wow. And we were just looking at a (laughs) two-bedroom. So, yeah, it was really interesting. But I think... I think we found our our new future place. We put an application down to reserve it while we look at two other places, but it was just kind of fun. It was a nice little weekend where we got to play house a little bit, a little bit more than we do right now. And it was really nice and kind of a fun way to to spend some time. So yeah. What about you? What's one good thing? Well, I took this whole past week off of work because it's winter break for the girls. But it was kind of nice to not have to worry about getting up super early, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of do whatever. One thing I will say, the other day, we all went snowboarding, and the girls kind of went off on their own to go down a bunch of different runs because Mm -hmm. they're both at a point where they're comfortable now where they can go. Thomas got these, like, walkie-talkie things that we can use to communicate just because cell service isn't that great. Yeah. Which my youngest really, she uses that kind of like a safety blanket. Like yeah. she likes to have that with her Absolutely. to just kind of be able to check in. So while they were doing their thing, Thomas was helping me. Mm-hmm. And I was able to go down the bunny hill a few times and like nice. 
try to practice doing this thing called falling leaf where you kind of like go back and forth. Yeah. And then stop. And there were a lot of times where I like caught my edge and fell. Mm -hmm. But that's just because I wasn't shifting my weight properly to stop. Well, it's just like rollerblading where it takes a it takes a long time to figure out. Well, and it's like you have to when Thomas explained it to me this way, then something kind of clicked. It's you need to move your body in the opposite direction that you think that you want it to go. So like when you're going down the hill, you would think that by like like going back in a squat that you're going to just fall on your butt. But actually that helps you move forward. Whereas leaning back. Once he said that, something kind of clicked a little bit. I had a good attitude about it. I thought about going down a run and then I was like, mm. baby steps. I fell a lot. And the last time I fell, like I felt something in my hip that did not feel great. Aww. And I was like, yeah. I was like, I was like, I'm gonna call it. I'm done. <laughs> like, this is over. I'm good for the day. Mm-hmm. But I'm sticking with it, so I'm gonna I'm gonna awesome. keep trying to stick with it. Yay! And on that note, let's uh, shut her down. Shut it down. Looking for more content? You can find us online at yieldcrimepodcast.com. If you'd like to see pictures from this week's episode, not to mention bonus content and funny memes, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Yield Crime Pod and on Facebook and Instagram at Yield Crime Podcast. On TikTok? Of course you are. Follow us at Yield Crime Podcast. A great way to support the show if you'd like to help us out, but you can't do so financially, is to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Good Pods, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Today's review comes from Apple Podcasts user Bam DeBickens, and it says, Great morning podcast, five stars. Excellent podcast that I started after listening to most Crime Junkie and Morbid episodes. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. I love the tone and cadence, as well as the subject matter. I had actually Googled specifically podcasts about crime and the monarchy, and this was the first suggestion in Google. Cool. Thanks, Google. Yeah. Wow. Love listening on my way to work and as I get ready in the morning. And then it's got like the emoji that has like the three hearts floating around it. Thanks. Thank you. If you do a rating after this episode, use hashtag year of Lindsay. So we know. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. We can date it. Hashtag year of Lindsay. (laughs) (laughs) That's all it says. It's just five stars. Hashtag year of Lindsay. You get like a million of those. Oh, God. And that's a 2023 review. <laughs> <laughs> like our year in review, December, <laughs> this coming year is just going to be hashtag year of Lindsay. That's all it's going to say. Got something you want to say? Shoot us an email over at yieldcrimepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your story ideas, see any gifts you send our way, or if you just want to say hello. We're pretty friendly. Speaking of friendly... If you'd like to have real-time conversations with us, consider joining our Discord over at the Cultivate Network. You can chat with us over at the Old Crimers Cubby or catch up with any of the other great creators that are part of the Cultivate family of podcasts. Just click the link in our show notes or over on our link tree to get started today. I don't know when <laughs> our public sale is going to be this week or this month. I don't know. I'll, I'll let you know when I get an email about it. You do still have this week and next week 
to order your 2023 indie true crime podcast calendars at podcastcalendars.com. Use promo code OLDCRIMERS, O-L-D-E-C-R-I-M-E-R-S, all one word, to get $5 off. And that is a great way to support us because we get a little bit of kickback from every sale. Yeah. You're a pseudo Patreon if you do it. You are basically a patron. You're basically a patron. And I mm-hmm. will stop yelling at you specifically. All the others, yeah, you. I'm yelling at you. Doing it. It's the year of Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag year of Lindsay. <laughs> and on that note, as always, I'm Lindsay. <laughs> and I'm Madison. <laughs> and we'll see you next time with another tale. As old as crime. <laughs>